Welcome to the IAAP United in Accessibility podcast, a platform to highlight the achievements and insights of remarkable individuals driving change in the field of accessibility. In this episode, we are honored to have Eric Ngandi, HSC from Kenya, an engineer specializing in water and the environment. Eric's dedication as a mentor to visually impaired youth and his role as a compliance and enforcement officer have earned him the prestigious Huduma Service Award. With his certification as a professional in accessibility core competency, CPACC, Eric is not only a dedicated social inclusion facilitator and public servant, but also a leading advocate for accessibility. Joining us is Divine Gift David Usman from Nigeria, an inspiring advocate for disability inclusion. He is a certified accessibility technician, CAT, and holds IAAP's CPACC certification. Through his unwavering dedication to acquiring technical skills and active engagement in global accessibility forums, Divine Gift has emerged as a prominent voice in the field. His commitment to making a positive impact serves as a true inspiration. Together, Eric and Divine Gift share their invaluable experiences and insights on inclusion, digital accessibility, and personal development. Join us on this empowering journey of knowledge and unity as we celebrate their achievements and work collaboratively to foster equal opportunities for all. Welcome to um, IWP, on our podcast. I'm Christopher Lee. I'm the Managing Director of IWP. We have two guests today. We have uh, Divine Gift and Eric, both from Africa. Um, it is great to have you both here. I'm looking forward to the conversation today about the work that you do, about um, the certification that you took through IWP, which is the CPAC. I'm just going to start off by having you both introduce yourself and just want to learn a little bit more about you and, and have the audience learn about the great work you're doing. So I'm going to start off with Divine Gift. Good day to you, sir. My name is Divine Gift David Usman. I, I am from Nigeria, and it's good to be here today. Great. Thank you, Divine Gift. Eric? Thank you, Chris. Um, and, uh, my name is uh, Eric Ngondi. I am from uh, Africa, Kenya. I am the chair of uh, the United Disabled Persons of Kenya, UDPK, which is an umbrella body of organizations of persons with disabilities, OPDs, and we basically lobby and advocate for the rights of persons with disabilities. Sounds very impressive and very important work, Eric. So I want to first of all start off with a divine gift. Divine, tell us a little bit about your background, how you got into accessibility, um, why you took the certification. Um, if you could start off just kind of giving us a little bit of background, that would be great. All right. I've been visually impaired for the past 20 years. I got blind when I was nine. And so I went through secondary school, the university, without any form of assistive technology. The only way I learned was through audio recordings. So my lecture notes were only recorded into my phone. And that was the only accessibility tool that I had. All right. So um, when I was done with the university, I got introduced to a mentor in Nigeria here that has been training visually impaired persons in the use of computer. Basically, IT skills, all right? Before then, I thought I was the only blind person in Nigeria, you know, because I never saw any other person. And so I didn't have any form of help. 
But when I met him and he trained me in how to use a computer, I, I learned it and I saw how my life revolutionized. Then afterwards, I think a few months after that, he shared a link with me um, that there's an organization, Dear Academy, that are giving a scholarship for persons that are involved in accessibility, basically, to take the CPAC exam. And that was how I got it. Now, before then, just after I got trained, I decided to go back to my locality um, to set up my own organization where I could train other blind people on how to use computer. Since it was such a big deal to me, I, I had to go back and register so that I could get blind people trained also the way I got trained. So I was involved in training visually impaired persons on how to use the computer and their mobile devices. So when I got the link to the Day Academy Scholarship, I applied and thankfully I was enrolled. And that's how I wrote the CPAC exams. Thank you, Divine. That's interesting. The fact that you, from my understanding, you, you were nine and you went blind when you were nine. Was that what I heard? Yes, yes, when I was nine. Okay. And the fact that your audiobooks, the books that, that they provided for you um, were, can you talk just a little bit about that? Basically, okay, so when I was in junior school, I would take my friend's notes back home and then get people to read out to me. All right, like real time, just sit down with someone and then he reads out from the notes to me. But that was not an effective system because what if I want to read at night? You know, I can't wake people in the night to read out to me. So I think it was when I was entering senior secondary school that I devised, it just came to me as an intuition. I was like, instead of being at the mercy of people's availability, why not ask them to record it into my phone? Okay, because when I have it into my phone, I could play it anytime. I could wake up in the night. I can put it on repeat, you know. But if a person, a human being is reading out to me, they can get tired, all right? When I have it on my phone, I could play it over and over. So that was how I did. It get into the university. I didn't know anything, even a screen reader. I don't even know a magnifier. I applied for computer science and they didn't even inform me about a magnifier. Talk more of a screen reader. All right. So I had to do the same thing in the university, get chunks of handouts, you know, people record it into my phone and whatever they could record, fine. Whatever they couldn't record, fine. You know, so I couldn't learn a lot of things like programming. I couldn't web, de web development, the core, core concepts of computer science. Until after I graduated and after I got the CPAC and I met people through the IAP community platform and I saw that many blind persons too are involved in web development. And I'm like, how do they do that? You know, and it just changed my world and I got passionate about it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting, Divine Gift. You know, when I was in school, I have, you know, I was diagnosed with learning disabilities or dyslexia. So back, I'm, I'm a little older than you. <laughs> back in the day, the, we had volunteers that would read into four-track tape recorders. And that's how we actually got the content. And it amazes me that that was back in the 80s and 90s that we still haven't really broken through to find out how to get content, textbooks, um, notes into uh, accessible format um, up front. So there's, there's still a lot of work to be done. So I... I take my hat off to you because there's, there's a lot of work in that, right? Getting that content and then note taking itself is another issue, right? If you if you can't take notes the way that other people can take notes, there's challenges there. So I just commend the the that you sticking with it. So I'm gonna shift over to Eric. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and why the CPAC? So my background is in water and environment engineering. That's what I studied in uh, campus. And uh, immediately after campus, uh, what happened is uh, I went for a hike with some friends of mine. And uh, on this particular hike, we were attacked. 
And in the process of trying to save one of my colleague, I was hit in the in my left eye. That was about uh, 2009. Two years down the line, <laughs> interestingly, I was coming from a, a safari, a journey, and it was around 10 p.m. in the night. And uh, I was traveling with my dad and we were on the road and I thought, you know, the road was clear, it, there were lights and everywhere. And then we had a bust. And uh, when we had that, uh, I told my dad, you know, we could sort of try to check what happened and we stopped and tried to change. Well, our tire was, of course, two of them, the front tires were bust. So we started to try and change one of them. And in the process, again, we were attacked. The interesting thing is uh, instead of running away from the, the thugs or whoever they were, I ran into them and in the process, I lost my right eye. So that's how I joined the club of being a person with disability. Interestingly, it's a club you can join anytime, anywhere. In a span of two years, I was blind. I didn't know anything about uh, in that state, but uh, a good friend of mine uh, said, you know, there's a place I could take you. I see people coming out of that school. Uh, maybe they could assist you. This was the Kenya Society for the Blind. I visited the institution and on day one, I was particularly touched by this guy who was uh, blind, but he had mastered the, the compound. So he was riding a bike, visually impaired, riding a bike. I was like, well, Life is not so bad after all. <laughs> so um, I went through adaptive uh, computer training at that uh, institute. I met many friends. Uh, I made many friends, colleagues. For me, my biggest worry was uh, now what am I going to do with my life? I had actually started working. I uh, was on um, a sort of internship as a quality environment, health and safety officer in an organization. And now I could not see. And because um, I was away for about uh, six months, when I went back, you know, this thing about attitude, it, it had already shifted. The top guy, even the, the CEO, the managing director of that organization, um, coming from him was like, you know, Eric, we, we, we think you can no longer do the quality, the environment, the health and the safety um, work that you're doing. It was uh, an oil company, but we believe now you you're very able to be stationed at the at the switchboard. Uh, so from uh, from an engineering work to a switchboard, not that it's a bad job, but basically that wasn't my training. And I felt like I have been uh, degraded, I've been uh, ignored, and I felt like I've been uh, uh, basically sort of, uh, this was because of my disability. Oh, so anyway, I in the process, I was feeling like, um, for me, the thing about accessibility, if I could learn something more about the computers, if I could learn something more about Braille, what do people do when they are blind? Uh, how do you know, how do they experience the world? So in the process, I started interacting with the area of uh, accessibility, getting to know, uh, attending some few classes here, conference here. And, in, and by then, one of the meetings where I met uh, uh, someone from G3 ICT, that's how I got to learn about G3 ICT. And then I joined the disability movement and uh, I started, of course, championing for the rights. I, I learned uh, uh, through experience and also from colleagues. But now when I, I saw the DARE scholarship, the fellowship, I thought this is something which can concretize my knowledge on disability, on accessibility, especially the modules. I thought, well, 
I'm at the right place and more to eat. My background being trained as an engineering, I believe uh, the issue about certification. And so when I saw an opportunity to be certified as an accessibility expert, I thought uh, CPAC was my thing. And so I applied and thank God I got in. Eric, that's uh, such an amazing journey that you're on. And um, again, I commend you also for having such a positive attitude. Um, I'm going through some very tough stuff back in 2009. Um, the fact that you've been able to, to push forward and now are you know, making a difference for people with disabilities um, is just so commendable. Um, so my hat's off to you also. I, I do have a question. Um, you both have brought up, and Eric, I'm gonna stay with you for a second. You both have brought up somebody in your life, um, a mentor. Um, uh, in, your, in your case, Eric, it was someone riding a bike that was visually impaired. Can you talk to us a little bit about um, what you got from that mentor, what you learned, what you took away? That's a good question, Chris. For me, uh, at that institution, when I met this gentleman, he's, he was co- he's called Zach, and he's been all along in the this tech space. When I met him, I was I really it opened my eyes. <laughs> no pun intended. That. Uh, Actually, life can uh, actually be interesting. So if given the opportunity, given um, some means of accessing uh, what everyone else is uh, enjoying, then there is hope, then there's there's opportunity for a person like me. So when I went uh, into the adaptive computer classes, for example, I had taken computers back then. So I I really loved uh, things about Microsoft Office, Excel, access powerpoint and i the teacher the tu- the trainer who took me through this i realized you know this thing actually can be done even without eyes using um, the the screen readers i was really thrilled and for me it's what the accessibility that are out there can provide to a person with disability i think along the way i've come to meet um, people with um, different impairments and i realize so many things that, you know, given an opportunity about uh, uh, assistive technology, what you could do. And for me, the DARE Fellowship, what it did open for me was concretize the ideas, you know. So, for example, I knew, you know, even people who have uh, intellectual impairments, for example, there is actually assistive technology to all these and they could get into a space where they can learn and be productive and work. And so along the way, as I'm going through the material, through the their fellowship, I'm also learning uh, these YouTube videos about these people out there who are uh, achievers, despite their impairments, you know. So for me, that's the opportunity I realized that uh, assistive technology and accessibility could provide to a person with a disability. That's great, Eric. Thank you. So, Divine Gift, you talking earlier about your mentor. Can you tell us a little bit about that? And also, you had brought into the introduction of, of really feeling like you were the only one out there that was blind. You didn't know if anybody was blind. Can you share a little bit of your thoughts around that? Okay. So, like I said, I thought that I was the only one that was blind because I'd, I'd never met any other blind person all through my years. You know, you can imagine how hidden I was, all right? So like in the school I went to, secondary school, I was the only person that was blind through throughout the mainstream school. Even the university I went, I was the only person that was blind. So that's why I had that thought that I was the only one. So 
after my university, when I bumped into a, um, a Zoom meeting, uh, all right, and then I just met the speaker after the meeting. I said, okay, hi, my name is this. And then I just communicated my heart, you know, and then thankfully she was the wife to a, that person that I spoke about earlier that had been training blind persons for 25 years. All right. So she said, if I could come over to where they were, all right, and they could get me trained and all of that so that it could expand the scope of my services to people and also make me productive. All right. So when I got there where they were, and I found out that the person that would be training me himself has been blind for 25 years. And apparently it's the person I'm speaking about is Mr. Ope Olu Akiola. He's the one that shared the link with me and also is a DI Academy participant. All right. So he's the one that trained me. And when I got to where he was, I saw that, oh, blind people could use the computer. Oh, they could, they could do Microsoft Word. They could use the internet. They could, you know, I even saw that they could cook, they could move around. They were, it was, it was a different world for me. I just saw the many, I saw blind people arguing movies. I was like, how do you know how movies are? You know, you're like, oh, they are audio described movies, you know? So it was such a new world to me. All right. So that was the effect and the impression that I, I got from just observing him and then from learning from him. Oh, thank you for that. Um, just curious. Do you have any hobbies? What do you like to do outside the world? I love to read. I love to learn new things. <laughs> I love to play music. I play the keyboard. All right. I like. I love to sing. Well, basically, I love to read, basically, and just add new knowledge. Yeah, so that's what I, I love doing. That's great. I was just curious on that. Um, thank you for that. Eric, how about you? What's your hobby? <laughs> Interesting. For me, I'm uh, always adventurous. I love outdoors. I know I got uh, this uh, impairment through being out, but uh, for me, I, I still go out. I love hiking. On my bucket list is uh, Kilimanjaro, <laughs> one of these days. So basically, I love outdoors. I love exploring. Technology is also one of those things that um, thrills me, especially at this point in time, AI. And basically, the assistive technologies that could be out there for any person with any impairment. So those things really excite me. That's great, Eric. So just curious on that note um, about AI. What are you the most excited about um, happening in the next three to five years around AI and machine learning? Wow. Uh, the other day I was uh, seated with a friend of mine who he had downloaded, um, I don't know which one specifically, but it was this uh, called Annie. Annie. And uh, we were there just asking Annie the question. And uh, having my background in engineering, I now I started uh, asking about data. How can we, we do this? How can you do that? And it was so particular, so on point. I was like, goodness, I could be heading anywhere and ask. So I'm in Gambia, for example, and uh, tell me all about Gambia. I want to meet so-and-so where can I find this person? So for me, that was so thrilling. However, also it brought a sort of um, a fear in terms of the sort of jobs that we people with disability do, for example. When I started, I told you about the thing up to being put at the switchboard because the thought was, you know, blind equals switchboard. Maybe that's the thing I can do. Well, as I was saying, it's exciting, but also there is some apprehension on my on my side. But I also realized there's also a, from many other people with disability in terms of the jobs that we do as people with disability. So there are those uh, jobs traditionally people with disabilities have 
done. So for example, the issue of customer care, the switchboard and, and sort of jobs. I note that those are things that will not be there in the next few years, courtesy of this AI. However, the thrilling bit for me was uh, the fact that I can obtain information like on a snap, yeah? So the issue of analyzing a whole Excel worksheet for me, that's something which sometimes is a bit uh, difficult, but I realize these are things now that I can access, you know, information about, uh, for example, I look back when I was in campus doing engineering and I'm looking at how do I handle things like fluid mechanics how do you handle things you know engineering and i realized these are things that now which will be very very possible in not so far future for persons with disabilities the international association of accessibility professionals currently offers six certifications iaap certifications are indicators of your commitment to the accessibility profession industry and community View the certification overview page on our website to learn more. And Divine Gift, um, about AI, are you excited about that or any other technology? Yeah, um, particularly Chat GPT. All right. I literally started using it. I got introduced to it last week, and the wealth of information and ease that I got from it was astounding, honestly. I'm a kind of inquisitive person. All right. So sometimes when I try to browse the internet and a lot of information come up in a, it, it, that makes you to still have to go into researching, it kind of turns me off at some point. But with ChatGPT, all right, you can specify your pursuit or your, your research. Okay. So I was asking about, let's say, universities for scholarship opportunities for persons with disabilities. And I was surprised that it brought out a particular one that I applied for last year. You can barely find it easily on the internet, you know. So it's such a revolution. In fact, I was saying to myself, I was like, I'm sure, right? This this is definitely going to help persons with disabilities have ease of access to information because not everybody is patient, you know, to go through a lot of web pages before finding what they want to. Here, you can specify it with Chat um, GPT, and I feel it's going to um, help improve the knowledge bank for persons with disabilities in the near future. Oh, thank you for that um, divine gift. Just curious, are you a Braille reader? No, I am. I am. I've never learned um, Braille. I think it was when I went for my training. Okay, that I got introduced to it. And just to add, um, I literally in the twenty years of being visually impaired, I only got introduced to screen readers twenty twenty one. That's crazy. That is unbelievable. And look where you're at now. Um, so how are you addressing like STEM related um, work? So the science, the mathematics, um, how, how are you accommodating yourself around that? And, and is it something that you that you rely on other people? Are you mostly independent with it? Okay, concerning that, I think since I left school, I've not had anything to do with um, graphs and all of that, even though throughout my five years in computer science, it was all about mathematics, okay? But, and it was difficult for me to have access to it, as I said, because nobody could interpret graphs for me. They could literally just read out theories to my phone and then that's it. Um, but, uh, and I, again, my key focus right now is to see how I could truly advocate for persons with disabilities and to train the blind on how to make use of computer. Um, I'm hoping that I, I get an opportunity to have access to different software technologies or even hardware that could interpret 
um, graphs and mathematical concepts, right? Because I may get to see someone that is interested in studying mathematics, for example, in the university, you know, and I will have to find a way to teach them on how to interpret graphs. So that's something I'm hoping I will get access to in the near future. But for now, I don't have any means for, for that. Thank you for that. So what assistive technology are you using right now? You, I think you mentioned the screen reader and magnification. Yes. Um, since I'm, I'm partially sighted, I make use of one eye partially. So I use the magnifier, but screen readers majorly. So, um, NVDA and yeah, NVDA basically. That's great. Okay. Thank you, um, Devon Gift. How about Eric? How about you, assistive technology? You, you started to talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for me, I use a, a screen reader. I use Joe's. Um, okay, that's where I started, and I thank God that's where I've continued being. Um, I also use uh, the phone, and on my phone, um, an iPhone, I use a lot of apps, so many apps, um, for you know, reading or for watching movies, for you know, social media. Um, and reading documents. So many apps that I am able to access. And of course, uh, I, I use my white can to be up and about in those hills I talked about. So those are some of the, the assistive technology I am able to access. I've been introduced to Envision um, classes a while ago just to test them. So that was a, a good opportunity, but uh, at the moment they are out of uh, reach in terms of cost. I've seen uh, some uh, digital white cans through the institution I went, um, I got rehabilitated from. Uh, I've not used those ones, but I, at least I've tested them. And now being a person in the disability movement, of course, now I'm able to to see so many of my colleagues using different uh, assistive uh, technologies. I've seen, uh, uh, you know, the, the wheelchairs, some automated, and and I, I make a fan of a colleague of mine. He has uh, his is blue in color, and I call it a Mercedes, and and many others that I've seen. Some friends of mine, and neurodiverse people with uh, dyslexia, people with uh, um, autism, use the walkers and all, and of course. And I came to learn through the DARE scholarship, um, those what other people out there are using. For example, I was so thrilled to learn what was all about uh, Steve Hawkins and, and everyone like in that line, you know. So quite an array of um, assistive technologies. Uh, some I've experienced, some I hear of them. Oh, let me, even this one I, I, I use with uh, with uh, my daughter when she's watching a movie and we're able to watch together, you know, the, the, the audio description. So I just put on my earphones, I'm listening, and we are both watching the same movie, you know. Oh, that's great. And, and what you just shared was, you know, you know, the holistic uh, approach, right? So in, in getting assistive technology throughout your life. So not only for work, but for social and play, right? And, and working with your family. So that that's a, that was a great example of our audio description. So I want to stay on you just for a second because I'm going to ask a you know a, a pretty tough question in the sense of um, what do you think the future is for Africa for people with disabilities? Where where are we at right now, and um, what needs to be done from your perspective? Yeah, very good question, Chris. Um, persons with disabilities in Africa face um, there's so many barriers you know and, and the biggest one at the moment uh, it's still attitudinal barrier 
it still amazes me. Even with my papers, even with my training, people still feel like, you know, I cannot sort of manage myself. I cannot do this and that. So there's that still attitudinal barrier that is still out there. Of course, communication is still a big one. I know in Kenya, there's um, we have quite some uh, advanced laws, regulations uh, that uh, really try to, to, to call out organizations, people to make lives of people with disabilities bearable. But of course, there's uh, always the challenge of implementation. So communication barriers for people with disabilities uh, in terms of sign language, in terms of even mainstream media, social media, uh, and people with disabilities are not able to access the assistive technologies that you know could enhance their way of uh, life. So be education, be at work. So they are still facing that. In terms of physical and environmental barrier, of course, this is still a big one. I, I can uh, tell you, Chris, uh, for a person who is a wheelchair user, moving from, let's say, 17 kilometers uh, just on the outskirts of Nairobi, getting to town, they have to use a public means. And you know, you still have to be lifted into the public means. We call it a matatu here, you know? So this person, you still, there's all this issue around, you know, dignity and you have to, you know, to be at the mercy of people so that they lift you, put you in the public transport. Then you you go all the way calculating now, how am I going to get out of this uh, public mean when I arrive at the, my, my place? So it's still a huge uh, difficulty, still a huge barrier. So in terms of accessing physical infrastructure, be a place where you can enjoy a game and the national park or something like that, be a place of amusement park. So it's still a challenge for persons with disability to access such such places. Uh, well, we do survive, we do get by, but uh, I believe this is one of the places that we need to advocate. Of course, there is still institutional barriers, whereby, uh, again, we, we believe that Persons with disabilities uh, cannot do this, cannot do that. So there are acts and laws and regulations that have been made, but not thinking about people with disabilities. There's a lot of work going on around Africa um, in terms of, you know, bridging the gap, in terms of creating awareness and sensitization. There's uh, this opportunity about assistive technology and accessibility. I believe this is one of those things that can uh, leap or frog jump all these barriers and put us at the forefront. But of course, there are all those costs that come with that, including things like electricity, availability of these devices, and so on and so forth. And one more thing I want to add on this, and I was talking to a techie guy, and he said, you know, with this AI thing, there's another thing to worry, because all the big companies uh, that are all in the area of technology, they are now focusing on AI. And I'm worried now what's going to happen about accessibility. Yeah? The, um, my thought is like, I hope they don't forget the issues of accessibility and they are racing into AI and leaving us behind. So that's what I could say for now, Chris. Yeah, that's, that's a very interesting ending statement. Uh, I agree with you. I think, especially with web development and around programming, um, where code is being generated uh, with Copilot and other other AI uh, tools out there, um, I think it's going to be really impactful everywhere. But I think, from the standpoint of, of 
of programming and, and definitely in education, right? <laughs> um, yeah. We're going to see huge changes. So I, I appreciate that, that um, looking at it from different perspectives, right? Uh, in regards to AI. So I'm, I'm going to jump to divine gift and, and ask you the same question in regards to Africa. Um, where are we at right now? What needs to be done? All right. Um, Eric has actually said it all. All right. He has painted the picture clearly for us because we're in Africa, both of us, right? And so we can, we understand where, where this thing is right now. Um, but I would just like to categorize the barriers that I feel are, are hindering um, persons with disability from thriving in Africa. Number one, as he said, attitudinal barriers. Okay. The attitude, where, the first thing that comes to a person's mind when they see you um, is that, oh, you can't do much and you need help. You need support. So the average, mo the model in every many people's hearts in Africa is basically the, char the charity model approach. Okay, so they just see persons with disabilities that should should just um, be beneficiaries of of incentives. Okay, rather than seeing them as persons that can be assets um, to innovation and to developments. All right, of the country and the community. Okay, so it's attitudinal barriers, as Eric said. Secondly, awareness. Imagine I've been in a country um, visually impaired for years, and I never knew that that blind persons were, there were even other blind persons, and I didn't even know that they could even use the computer and learn all these mobility skills, computer skills, and all of that. You know, so awareness is very, very key. Is lacking in Africa, okay? And then thirdly, affordability of access assistive technology. Um, in as much as I know it, it takes a lot of technical know-how to, to bring about assistive technology. It takes a lot of efforts and expertise, all right? Yes, that's why it's visually expensive. But I just wish that um, assistive technology can be uh, available, all right, and affordable to persons with disabilities. And again, awareness in terms of the technologies that are available, okay? Because um, I never even knew that there was something called is it liquid level indicator. It's basically a simple tool that just helps a visually impaired person to know the level of water he's, he's pouring into a cup, you know. So little things like that that could help independent living can really go a long way. And then fourth, finally, one major barrier again in Africa is the attitudes and the mindset of the persons with disabilities themselves. It's very difficult to kick off the tea from Kant, you know. And um, so they keep asking why me instead of why not me do you understand so because even if technology is available even if awareness is there and all of that it, it, it depends on the person all right like the other day i was I, i've been trying to train people okay but nobody's coming because they feel and the trainings are expensive so i decided to say okay and they can't afford a laptop and i said okay i will use my laptop okay to train you for a very let's say ten dollars okay for a whole month or something. And they were like, ah, no, that's too expensive. Highest they can afford is like $5 or something or $3 for, for a whole month of training. So I'm like, oh, these people, it's either you don't value knowledge or you actually don't have the money. Because if you are sick or something, you can use that amount of money even more to, to go somewhere else and spend and all of that. But to add value to yourself, you are looking at it as expensive. So I think the personal mindset and mentality of persons with disabilities in Africa needs to change. They have to see that they also are needed 
in, in the world. Okay, I heard recently that Amazon hired like 1,000 visually impaired persons. I don't know how true that is. Okay, that, I say that there are opportunities. That's how they value persons with disability out there. But we we here in Africa, we just feel, okay, we're blind or we're visually impaired or we have a disability. So we, we, we can't really do much. Okay, I, when I, I listened to, I when I, when after my CPAC exam, I saw that blind people could even do programming, something I never dreamt I could ever do in this life. You understand when I heard that blind people could actually, I'm like, how how do you code, you know, and all of that. So so it's challenged me on a different level, and I saw that okay, actually there's no limitation. The only limitation that we have as persons with disabilities is our mindset first, not even the environment. So these are some of the barriers that we are facing here in Africa. Oh, thank you, um, Divine Gift. So I'm going to stay with you for just a second. I've just got a couple more questions, and then we'll we'll wrap it up. This has just really been insightful. Um, so I, just to summarize what I'm hearing from both of y'all, I mean, in regards to well, some of the challenges that, that Africa is facing right now is around attitudes, it's, it's around awareness, it's around communication, it's around the lack of um, uh, access to assistive technology, AT, and they're all laws and things are happening, but the, the challenge is also the implementation piece of that, which is so important, right? You can have the laws um and the policies out there but if you don't implement it becomes very challenging so I, i've kind of i i really appreciate both of y'all sharing that um so i just have two other questions um one of the thoughts i, I really would love to pull out of your know, information i'd like to pull out of both is if you could you know give advice to um a service provider someone that has helped you and guidance um, um in the sense of you know what things would you would you give them that service provider the teacher the occupational therapist or whoever has worked with you. And then the second part of that question is, what advice would you give for someone that that's in the same place that you are, a person with a disability? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with you, Eric. For that person who's really worked with me, this journey, uh, the teacher, the tutor, the, the mentor, person who, within the disability fraternity, those who's be, who've been, who have been there, for me, it's a gratitude first. Um, the, they've really made me see that there is a, there is, there is a first opportunities, that there is hope, and that it can be done. So for me, it's a gratitude, and also to encourage now those who've gone through their hands to really reach back and pull others so that they can get at least where they are and and then uh, you know at least uh, help other persons with disability i think for me that's one of the thing i could say for persons with disability i'll really uh, thank um, uh, divine gift what you just say you know that issue about self attitude i think it's paramount that as people with disability first realize that um, long before we are accepted we must accept ourselves and so once we do that, then we can able to, a phrase that you use uh, in the U.S., pull up our bootstrap, you know, and uh, be able to, to, to walk this journey. It's not easy, but it's possible. So that's one of the advice I could give them. But I could also call out all other people. Persons with disability are not hopeless, are not case of charity, but they need opportunity, that they need support, and they can also be great people just like any other. So let's uh, create these opportunities in terms of employment, in terms of 
education and even uh, participating in, uh, you know, daily life activities. My friends whom we've done uh, together, the CRPD, call me Article 30. That has to do with the sports, culture, and everything fun around that. I think that's one of the things I could encourage people with disabilities to take on. Like, you know, life is for living. Thank you. Thank you, Eric. And that, that and you said so much there, it's a lot to unpack, but the one thing that really stood out to me was, was you know, just, you know, accept yourself, you know, of who you are and what strengths and areas of, of growth that you have. So I, I appreciate that comment. Divine Gifts, so back to you in the sense of um, advice to uh, your educators, your teachers, uh, what advice would you give? And then somebody who's in the same boat as you are. First of all, I also want to start by appreciating every and celebrating everyone that has not just tutored me, but has given their hearts and lives to helping persons with disability. Normally, it's it takes patience to teach anybody. All right. So imagine the degree of patience that is needed to help persons with disabilities. I, I must commend every teacher and celebrate them for that. Um, my advice, honestly, is just to, to encourage them to continue whatever they are doing all right if only the teacher of stevie wonder if only he knew that stevie wonder would become what what he ended up becoming if he knew you know of course he would have really given his heart to it as the way he did all right i always say this that um what i'm saying is uh, if you knew that the person you are teaching is going to be the next president all right of the united states or un or something what would be your attitude okay won't you still give your heart to teaching them so um but i want to encourage you that you don't have to See, you can use that as a, as a template, all right, and just to help you give your all to teaching persons with disabilities. So I really celebrate everyone that has helped me to come this far. As I said, I just met Assistive Technology 2021. That's Mr. Ope Akiola. I really want to appreciate him for, for that, all right, because within two years of getting to introduce to this Assistive Technology, I, I had a lot of achievements, you know, I... I became part of three global forums, okay, two in the UK and one in the US. And it's such an achievement, all right, it's such a big deal. Right? So I really want to appreciate him. Now, and I want to encourage persons with disabilities, all right, that um, you have to shift from seeing this mindset of, oh, I need people to, people need me, okay, or like, I need, instead of thinking like, I need the world, okay, how about you think that? No, the world needs me. There's something that I have to give the world. I want to encourage every person with disability to look at themselves as having something that the world needs. Okay. So that's basically it. Thank you. Oh, thank you. And, you know, you said so much there, Divine Gift. You said um, patience, you know, again, going back to that attitude and not giving up and keep doing what you're what you're doing. Um, and, and I think that's so important is that keeping that one foot in front of the other. The other thing you said that was on your last answer um, earlier was that it's very difficult to, to kick off tea from can't. I love that. I love that phrase. I've never heard that. And um, I'm going to keep that um, close to me and, and use it. Um, so I appreciate it. So I just want to thank both of y'all for your time. I want to thank both of you for your commitment and the passion that you have um, towards people with disabilities and the people that support them. It's been an honor to spend this time with both of y'all and um, I really have enjoyed it. So thank you. Thank you, Chris. Thank you very much. The pleasure is mine. 
The International Association of Accessibility Professionals offers a variety of membership options for individuals and organizations. Whether you are an expert in accessibility or just starting your journey, join the only Global Accessibility Professional Association promoting and improving digital accessibility and physical environments. IAAP advocates for the inclusive design and creation of accessible products, content, services, and spaces to ensure no one is left behind due to a physical, sensory, cognitive, health, or psychological related impairment. United in Accessibility, join IAAP and become a part of the global accessibility movement.